Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Mandy Hickson. Welcome, Mandy, again. Thank you very much, Amy. Lovely to be back. Yes, well, we recorded your episode for the 300 celebration. So thank you very much. And here we are literally one episode later at 301. Oh, <laughs> that's what I like to see. Yeah, <laughs> straight back in. Well, yeah, absolutely. And we were recommended, well, you were recommended that you come on the show by Cyril Mannion, who recently had his episode back on Oh, it was uh, 293. And it's great because we're looking at your story. I'm not going to share anything right now. I'm going to allow you to do that. So, Mandy, what is it you're doing right now? Well, right now, Amy, I run my own business. I'm a consultant. I'm a motivational speaker, author of a book, which has done well. And yeah, and I basically travel all over Europe delivering sort of training and speeches to lots of big businesses and also to schools. And did you expect to be in this place? I did not, no. So I used to be in the Royal Air Force. I was the second woman to fly a Tornado GR4 on the front line. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know what a GR4 is, just think war-going aeroplane, and it's the one they always used to use in all the newsreels. So a little bit like your sort of F-15, the one that you see in the F-14 from Top Gun, that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I was the second woman to do that to serve for 17 years. And when I left just over 10 years ago, I'd assumed that I would use those skills from the Air Force, particularly obviously in the flying world, to go into a second career, probably in the airlines, because that's what everyone else does. And it was only really through a few different light bulb moments, fortuitous encounters, that actually I realised I didn't want to just do what everyone else was doing. I wanted to basically take control of my own flight path and change the direction completely. And I ended up setting up my own business there, experience from the front line. Now, what led you to leaving the RAF? Yeah, so the way it works in the military is that you sign up for a fixed term contract. So when I when I signed up initially, it was for 16 years or to your 38th birthday. So whichever is longer. So for myself, it was just under 17 years that I served, um, which took me to literally my 38th birthday. And I left on that day. and. Yeah. And then and basically you you can stay and you can go on and take on different roles and things like that. But for myself, it was it felt like the right time to go because I had two small children, a husband that was working full time. And I just thought, actually, I, I don't want to be mum. I want to be around a bit as well. And that second career that most people sort of step into, into the airlines, did you know that that was not for you? Or as you said, there were some light bulb moments and some fortuitous circumstances. What happened? Well, I was doing all the training to become an airline pilot. In fact, I gained my commercial pilot's license and 
you know, about £20,000 lighter for the pleasure of going through that process. And it was only when I sort of hold it up and I thought, oh, my God, I, I, it didn't fill me with any excitement or any joy, the thought of going into that world. And my husband was an airline pilot as well. And although he enjoyed the flying, I just saw some real difficulties in front of us because with two people flying, flying is an interesting one, delays something happens, you can't land back at the aircraft airfield that you took off from. You never know what it's going to be. And if you have two children at home that are relying on one of you at least to come back on regular hours, then that can lead to problems. And we didn't have immediate family around that could support us or help. We're not that I'd have wanted them to. And so really it was that coming together with the realising that I hadn't got this huge passion to fly in the airlines that I thought, well, what, what else can I do? And I was, let me just be brutally honest, a little bit tipsy at a dinner party. And I was telling a story when uh, about a mission that I was involved in in Iraq because I saw frontline um, experience and operational time over flying over Iraq, defending the no-fly zone. And um, I was telling a story about when we were shot at by a surface-to-air missile. And I was, you know, having up the story and telling it all in a very flamboyant manner. And someone at the dinner party said to me, Mandy, have you ever thought about going into speaking? And I said, what? Into what? I was still in the Air Force then. And they said, you know, motivational speaking, keynote speaking. And I said, no, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I've never been to a conference. I've never heard a speaker because it's not just something we didn't have in the Air Force. And they said, well, we think you'd be brilliant. And actually, not only do we think you'd be brilliant, but we have an event coming up. We run a business. We have an event coming up in about a month's time and we're after someone to speak to all of these um, CEOs of different insurance companies. And we think we could just could you just tell that story? Maybe not quite in such a drunken manner. But, you know, um, so I sort of thought well, I said, they said, we'll pay you. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you get paid to talk about yourself. Winner. Now that's the career for me. So, um, yeah, I just thought I couldn't have been more perfect, really. And 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 really that coming together with. I was flying with a young cadet and and I realized that actually you by being that role model, by being the person that they can see, you can do so much to change their outlook, their own flight path for the future. And I thought, gosh, if I can take my story to schools now, that could be really impactful. And so with those two things, uh, that's when I completely decided to go down the route I did. Which is amazing. And it's thank goodness for that sort of sliding doors moment of having someone make a suggestion. And so often is the case that you haven't purposely designed it. But now that you are in this space and that you are aware of the impact that you can make, is there a more focused purpose that you're following and creating yeah, for people? Absolutely. So I think when anyone asks me what's what, what's one of the things that's most important to me, it is about creating legacy. It is about it's about, as one of the first women to do what I did, it's about not pulling up the ladder behind me. It's about making sure that that ladder is firmly rooted on the ground. And it's, you know, and there are not just one ladders, but there's loads of them. And actually, you're facilitating those people that follow in your footsteps. And I never realised when I was in the Air Force, I sort of, I wouldn't say hid my light under a bushel, but that was not what I was doing. I just wanted to get on with my job. I was a pilot, I was flying, I didn't want any press around it. You know, I just got on with it. And it's only when I left and I started to go into this that I realised that I felt I had a responsibility to actually facilitate that journey. And I was still going to schools, especially primary schools, bizarrely. And I'd be speaking to the youngsters and they would sort of say, I still didn't know women could, I didn't know girls could be pilots. And I'm thinking, 
we're in the 21st century. This is crazy. Why are we still having those conversations? And I think while we still are having those conversations, then actually it's really important to create that legacy, to create that that passageway for other people to follow in your footsteps. And that became one of my guiding principles. Um, And this year, actually, I was asked to become an aviation ambassador for the Department for Transport, which has led to a lot of working with young people to STEM events and things like that but also to just being that ambassador, putting yourself out there, really talking about the benefits of aviation. And I think aviation has gone through such a, a turbulent time over the last two years. Actually, I think any help that we can get to firstly to encourage people to go back into this industry, it, you know, it's an exciting industry to be part of, whether you're flying or whether you're just part of it in the operations roles or in the bigger picture. You know, there are a lot of different opportunities there. And it's fascinating, isn't it, that you said that you're still having these conversations with little children in the 21st century, because why is it that they don't think it's possible? What what's at that very young age has already sort of inhibited them? I think as we're growing up, we don't realise, even as parents, what we do. You know, we, we just you don't realise the impact that you can have. And I think when you and this is certainly changing now as well, by the way. So when I was growing up, there were no books little you know reading books it was the girls were doing nice things the boys were doing exciting things being adventurous well guess what I was sent a copy of a local book of a book that I was they featured on me which is called Tara Bins and Tara is a little girl that basically goes into a dressing up box for any of the older generation you might remember Mr Ben that was me I remember Mr Ben but going into a dressing up box she comes out with a pilot's cap on and she goes on an adventure but it, she's going on all these male adventures classic ones from a very very different perception and we hadn't really seen those many books about those sorts of things and I just think now we are now your little five-year-old's first book that they're reading is about a female pilot about a female engineer about a female firefighter policewoman all of those things then actually you start to 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 really influence them from a very very early age um I mean still look at the t-shirts that are out there you know daddy's little princess for the girls and the boys ones are my little monster you know and in army colors and it's just still it's still traditional I still see it in the shops and I think gosh you know we need to change that because you know while we are thinking of ourselves as the little princess and we're not thinking of ourselves as the uh the next fast jet pilot <laughs> so having been an author yourself is there a responsibility for you to go into this age group as well yeah, absolutely. And I do. So I I speak to school children, young and old. I think the youngest I've done is a nursery class. You know, you get them all pretending to be pilots and holding their night vision goggles and they're all flying around the room and it's great fun. I still speak to a lot of secondary school uh, students as well. That's more STEM related. That'd be more looking at career side of things, really delving into what they can do, what are their interests as well. But um, yeah, I work with a lot of different charities as well. When I work with a lot is called Inspiring the Future. And they very much look at trying to get some really strong female role models on their books. They wanted to start off. It was set up by Nick Clegg's wife, Miriam Gonzalez, and they wanted to get 15,000 women on, on their books to basically create a database for, for any school to be able to contact somebody in their local area to come in. And I think they're over 100 and something thousand now. And it's great. So I get calls from local schools within a 30 mile radius that say, we've got an event coming up. Is there any chance? Dot, dot, dot. And in actually in lockdown, it was great because I did a lot of virtual ones as well. 
Incredible. And I wish that when we were growing up, we had those role models because you, there is that element of needing to see it to believe it. Yeah, I, I, I still absolutely believe that. And when I left the Air Force, I signed up to become a volunteer reservist and I served as an air cadet pilot. So when you're in the air cadets, which is run by the Royal Air Force for 13 to 18 year olds, um, you get the opportunity to go on an air experience flight and to fly those people you need pilots. And so I signed up to become a volunteer pilot. And I would often have young girls coming up and you can see them go, oh, my goodness, I've got a female pilot. And that was brilliant. And I just think, you know, I had this fantastic and it's one of the stories in my book, actually, when I flew with a young girl and she was not the most engaged, I'll be honest. And she was my last cadet and I wasn't the most engaged because I was quite tired because you fly sort of nine, ten cadets in a day. And I got to the end of the trip and she was phenomenal. She was really good. And I landed and said, you know what? You're unbelievable. And she was like, oh, but you said it to everyone. I was like, I've never said it to anyone. You're really talented. And she just looked at me and went, oh, my God, this is all I have ever wanted to do the whole of my life. And I was so scared I was going to fail that I decided not to show you I was interested and not to try. And it just hit. This is the one of the ones that hit me when I said, you know, different things. And and when she said, I said, Emily, you can't do that. You've got to engage with life. You've got to put yourself out there, grab opportunities. I said, how are you doing at school? And she went, no, I hate school. I was like, but school enables this. And it's that sense of purpose. She didn't have purpose. What is that purpose? And it's all very well and good as saying to people, we must be resilient, we must bounce back. But if we haven't got purpose, with nothing we're heading towards. She joined the dots and you could see her going, oh my goodness, that's why I need to work. Saw her a year later and she said, she came bouncing and she went, I'm so pleased you're here because I wanted to tell you, I got all my GCSEs, I'm doing my A-levels and I want to be a pilot just like you. Three words, just like you, because that's when I'd been about to go into the airlines. And I thought, just like you, I don't need to do that. I can do something that could be way more impactful. And that became my overriding purpose. Wow, you you actually given me a sort of goosebumps but also I feel like I'm welling up here and I'm trying to work out what it is that you've struck on to make me feel so emotional and I think there's a, a series of things one is about dreams being hampered early on and quashed for whatever reason the stifling that she was holding back of her own dreams because she didn't want to fail already at that young age and just and the, the thought of not understanding the route you know how to get there and you sort of connecting those dots for her it's just incredible and it is about showing people the way you've talked about the the journey the pathway the the facilitating the future for others it's a really powerful thing you're doing yeah I mean you don't really think of it when you are doing it I'll be really honest Amy it's not what I thought you know I was on this oh wow look at me I've always had this people say oh you know how have you ended up and I went organically and it's sort of tended to just organically grow why did I write a book? Well, because every speech I ever spoke at, everyone said, have you written a book? And I would say, no. And why did I say no? Because I don't feel I was a good writer because I'd never excelled at English at school. That I was always maths and STEM and science. English, I was just like, oh, do you know what? There's no right and wrong answer. I don't like it. So I put myself in a box that I wouldn't be able to write a story, even though I had the stories. And so again, look out look at opportunities as soon as I started saying not yet I was now opening up a world of possibility in my own mind and I think so often we do that without even realizing we're doing it we shut a door or we back away from something because we're fearful of failure and 
you know, and often it's linked into imposter syndrome, to different things as well. And I think by recognising sometimes that we are stepping back from the opportunity because we're fearful is the first thing. And then you say, what is it I'm fearful of? If it's fearful, I'm going to fail. So what? You, you know, it's going to be, do we ever regret the things that we did? Not often. It's We always regret the things we didn't do. And so actually, you know, if we're going to be fearful that we might look foolish in front of others, so what? You know, and so when you start to do that to yourself and you start to ask those questions, actually you're taking away the pressure because you think it doesn't matter. I'm not looking foolish. People will say, my goodness, well, at least she tried. So I, I'm constantly looking at improving myself to put myself forward for different things that are outside of my comfort zone still. I've just applied for something at the moment. And I'm there thinking, yeah, I'm boxing way too high. I haven't got a hope. But I think, why not put yourself out? If I don't get it, I don't get it. I haven't lost anything, have I? <laughs> and it's so subjective. I mean, it really is the opinion that you have that something's too high for you. I mean, it's like, it's just in your mind, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And and I think we always do that. I thought, well, especially as women, I'll be brutally honest, I think we do it more than men. We tend to, you know, we won't apply for the job unless we tick every single box. Actually, you can learn the job. Do I have the skill set that are required, the competencies? And I think when you start to look at it in a different way, then that's when you realise that you can do something. And that goes right back to primary school, by the way. And all the studies you look at, little girls believe they can't do it until they prove they can, and then they excel. Whereas little boys believe they can do it until it's proved they can't, and then they can't believe it, <laughs> that they can't do it. So it's just different mindsets. And it's recognising, you know, there are differences between the genders as well. You know, when we're asked, and why are more women not in aviation? I do think there's a gender issue. I think that girls don't tend to go towards those STEM subjects as much. It's not our brains are wired differently. So we need to recognise that there is a difference with us with regards to your gender. But there's, it's more for myself when I'm looking at facilitating others to, into it. It's about recognising, you know, yes, there are differences, but don't let it be our barriers we put in our own place that stop us from doing something. So inspiring the future and the work you're doing, Mandy, knowing that you're not worried about failure anymore. Who are the, the role models that you are sort of championing and bringing alongside you or, or aiming for? Or are they sort of are you your own role model now? No, I, I do have lots of role models, actually. When when I was growing up, my mum was a fantastic role model. And as was my dad, actually. My dad was, so my parents separated when I was very young. And my mum sort of brought us up and we had a close relationship with my dad. But my dad, you know, he had many different businesses and he he was running his own business. And, you know, and it, he went bankrupt and he got back up again and then he got back up again. And so there's a real resilience within him as well, which I think we we grew up watching. My mum was of the mindset of, if it's going to be someone, why shouldn't it be you? Um, my sister ended up as a consultant and a medical director of a hospital. Uh, you know, I ended up in the role I did. And I think that was with her basically sort of pushing us in a sort of nice way. You know, it was very much self-directed learning. She didn't sit there and help us with our homework. You know, it would be a case of your liver casserole is ready, girls. And we would sort of go, I think I've got homework to do. <laughs> I don't want that liver casserole. <laughs> we were like, oh, it always smells so delicious and tastes so horrible. Um, but it was funny, you know, and so I think having those sorts of role models around me when I was growing up. And then what I noticed I've started doing actually since I left the Air Force is, is actually when I meet people and I get on really well with them or I find there's something within them that really interests me, 
I don't ask them officially, would they be a mentor? But I do go to them for advice. Uh, one woman I, one, one who I met through spinning, a spinning class at the gym. I really liked her, connected to her. She's 15 years older than me and very, very successful in the business sector. And I was trying to get into the business sector. So I would, you know, put things, you know, to her and say, oh, I've been asked to be a non-executive director. What do you think? And she said, Is, are you passionate about it? I was going, well, no, not really, but it's really flattering. She said, Mandy, you'll be in demand. You know, you need to think about where you want to go. Whereas I was always like, oh, like a puppy. I've been asked. How exciting, you know, and actually... She's made me a little bit more strategic in the choices that I I take. So, yeah, I think I've been very lucky to have those people around me and great friends to offer guidance and counsel. That's amazing. So where next? What's the plan? You, you've just been made aviation ambassador and you're speaking at schools and, and businesses. What's the plan? What is the legacy that you want to create? It's a tricky one. I mean, business is booming at the moment, to be honest, Amy. So I feel I'm sort of water skiing a little bit behind going, have I? I mean, I just seem I seem to be sort of quite in demand uh, on the speaker circuit at the moment, which is a really lovely place to be in. I'm aware that won't last forever. I'm always a make hay while the sun shines, and I think just to continue really with the way in which I'm 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 doing things. You know, as I'm putting myself out there, it just always leads to more work. But it's it's about recognizing what work you want to do. So there is a potentially a second book in the pipeline, um, which would perhaps be a bit more of a business related book. Again, I put a pause on that one. I realized that I was going down a publishing deal with a company and actually it was not the right time for me. There's a lot going on. I have two teenage boys who we always think they don't need as much support because they're older, but actually bizarrely they need just as much, but it's in a different way. And you don't really want to be there either. It's not like when they're little, like, oh, aren't they sweet? Now they don't want you, but they need you. It's like Mary Poppins. Uh, it's no, no, not Mary Poppins. Who was it? Oh, it's um, Nanny McPhee. When you want her, you won't be, she won't be there. But um, anyway, so um, I digress. So I think it's about recognizing the stage of life you're at. So I try to balance things out as much as I can. I I look at other things. I've applied for a role actually within the Air Force again. Um, we'll see if that comes to anything. But again, it's just constantly thinking, right, what's my next step? So lots of irons in fires. But at the same time, just working pretty much flat out at the moment, all over the all over Europe, which is brilliant. And tell us about you, you've spoken about potential for a second book. Tell us about your first book. I know you wrote it because it was a case of people were asking you, and it was like, okay, I've done it now. But yeah. What, yeah. what did it What did it achieve for you that you weren't expecting? So it was an interesting one. It's called An Officer, Not a Gentleman, which was the title of one of the chapters, actually, because I wanted my call sign at one point was Big Bird because I'm six foot tall and Sesame Street was on in America. You know, I was hoping for Ice Maiden, but you got I got Big Bird. Um, so I was going to call it Bird's Eye View because I thought it was quite a clever twist. But, yeah, everyone's sort of saying, oh, we, we're trying to get away from birds, you know, and I thought, no, that's fair enough. So I went for An Officer, Not a Gentleman, which has been very well received. And it's really just very much autobiographical. And when I put it out there, I thought it would just be going out there to people that listen to me do speeches. Actually, what happened was I became really nervous. So excited when I got it in and I actually ended up self-publishing it because, and I love this comment, I got a rejection letter from one company that said plain books are for a male readership that have no interest in a woman's story. Oh, yes, we're still there. So I thought, well, that's interesting. So I self-published it on Amazon, which, do you know what? I actually think ended up being the most positive thing that could have happened because 
I I do like to be in control and I am in control. And I love the fact that now when I'm going to do my speeches at, at different companies and they say, yeah, we'll take a thousand copies. I go to my local man who lives around the corner. I say, Tony, can you print me off a thousand copies of my book? He goes, I've never had anyone printing more than a hundred. <laughs> so he's on his 5,000 print run now. Oh no, he's printed off me about 5,000 books. So it sold about 20,000 copies uh, globally. It was the number one best-selling book in aviation for about nine months, actually, when it first was released. And I think the thing that has really surprised me was it started to grow and it started to grow on social media. And I started to get asked to go on lots of podcasts and, um, you know, and ones for teenagers as well, like Lad Bible and things like that, which is quite a big sort of teen thing. My teenagers were going, getting texts left, right, centre going, your mum's on Lad Bible. And I was like, yeah, no, it's really embarrassing. I mean, how dare she? And and actually, I found loads of teenagers have been reading it. Loads of young people, they've been contacting me and saying, oh, my goodness, this has become my Bible. You know, I love it. They all um, I had to go on Instagram. Not that I was very good on Instagram, but I, I put myself on Instagram so that that would be create a vehicle for those young people to contact me because they weren't on the likes of Twitter or Facebook. And it's been fantastic. And they, I get emails or messages from them daily. And, you know, often you'll, I'll get, you know, and it's also hit different generations. So I'm hitting lots of emails from um, veterans, from people who said, oh, my goodness, my grandpa was a pilot in the Second World War. This has really stirred up a lot of emotion for myself, you know. And and actually, when I speak at schools, a lot of the youngsters buy the book and then their parents read the book as well, which I love. And then the parents contact me and say, Oh, my goodness. I literally had two emails this morning from two different parents from a speech day I did at a school who just said, I am blown away. And I love this. It's made me look at life differently. And I think, you know what? Those are the ones I didn't expect. I just thought it would people going, yeah, that's a good read. But it actually, it's a lot deeper than that. And it's been a lot more wide reaching. And do you think it's got a potential for it to be repurposed into a different medium? So I'm thinking TV series or a film. Yeah, I mean, I did have some interest actually from uh, some different network channels to begin with. And then uh, when this uh, publishing house contacted me to say, could they republish it for me? But it was tied into a second book. And at the moment, I just don't have the hours in the day to do to concentrate on the second book. So I sort of stepped away from that. I do believe at some point it will be picked up because I do think it would it it shouts out great story. Or as, I'm not just sorry, I didn't mean like that great story, but it's a story basically of what we're looking for in the world at the moment. A young girl, passion to fly. Hit hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, failing all the aptitude tests, being told she had an obesity problem, um, all of these things. And she went on to challenge a system to get them to change their recruiting system, taking on a, a girl who failed all of the chair tests, who then became a pilot, who then you know, had a successful career in the Air Force and then actually has the, the opportunity now to give back and to actually complete that circle. And so actually it's sort of that... It's that perfect sort of the screen, all the all the barriers, all the challenges. She makes it and now she gives back. So, yeah, it ticks a lot of storytelling, you know, um, aspects, really. Yeah, it's the full hero's journey, isn't it? It's the full hero's journey, which I hadn't realised, actually, until I was watching someone else do a speech. And they said, so if you want to do a good speech, what you need to do is this. I thought, oh, that's mine. That's why it's so well received. Oh my God, I am the hero's journey. <laughs> and I, I'd never really put two and two together until I heard someone else giving a lesson on how you deli- deliver a good speech. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And but what is interesting though, Mandy, is you talk about the fact that you you challenge the system and that you almost change their recruitment drive. And it, that's part of the problem is that there are so many inhibitors for women to get into the RAF or, or particularly into flying or aviation. I mean, I don't know that's true, but this is what I'm sh- I'm sharing from you, your perspective, that that was what you encountered. Yeah, less and less now, so to be honest, yeah. Amy. So okay, when you look at the current chief of the air staff for the Air Force, um, Mike Wigson, he's made it one of his massive missions to really pull through a lot of the women from the pipeline to really, really push that that female agenda. And I think until we had that, until you had people really positively encouraging people, then actually you hit this equilibrium where people just go, yeah, that's the way it is. Well, actually, it doesn't have to be the way it is. Until you see more and more female pilots on the front line, then you don't you don't realize it. So it's that can't be it to see it. So we are seeing a lot more of that. There are very few inhibitors in there. We still just don't get very many women applying for it. So it's great to see that women are on the up into the the RAF, into the whole aviation industry. And I love the fact that you've got this I sort of bird's eye view now let's use that as a positive framework because it is it's a fantastic way that you're bringing into perspective what's going on what can happen for for futures of the children who you're speaking to and also for those who are thinking it may be too they're too late or in business how they can apply the lessons that you've got which are really relatable in a business perspective as well really relevant which is fantastic purpose you've touched on legacy you've touched on the the way that you're now operating is is very different from how you were you said you're very much matter of process and just getting things done and now it's a case of everything you're doing you're thinking as the as your lovely ladies from spinning car said think strategically not from a flattery perspective Uh, is there is there more strategy involved in in what you've got planned yeah definitely actually I, I just think we, we we all need to have a look at where we are on our own personal development journeys as well, which is why listening to great podcasts is, is one of those things, isn't it? You know, and I genuinely mean it. I'm not just saying that as a plug for yourself, Amy, but when you're listening to different stories, you start to take away so many different things from different people. And that's something I found. I'm just, I feel like I'm constantly looking at developing myself as well. And I always believe I've got more to give. And I think that's one of the things there when you think, you know, actually, I'm I'm a real one for visualization that I, I see what I want. So I mean, the classic one, and this was just my, my younger sister always goes, oh, bloody hell, it's, you're going to do it again, aren't you? I mean, I was going to uh, the International Air Tattoo and Tom Cruise was there. He was visiting for the day. And I said, yeah, my mission, impossible, was to get a photo of, of Tom Cruise holding my book, because I thought that'd be a really good stat. And my sister went, of course, you'll do it. You're Mandy, you always bloody do. And it it just so happened the stars align. And not only was Tom holding my book, but I'm in a selfie with Tom Cruise holding my book. And I, I'd, ever, I'd sent it to her and she went, yeah, I told you it would. Because I think it's because I sort of, I I, I do visualise things a lot and I do put things out there. I, I'm, I'm going to probably get a bit spiritual now, but it, it's that whole thing of affirmation. It's about, you know, that visualization and actually seeing where you can go. And I do think it can be incredibly powerful. And it's amazing how often things do happen when you put yourself there. And I love that you've touched on the spiritual because you have been quite scientific and and sort of practical in in your perspective and and very much STEM side of things. So there is this visual, creative and sort of more 
a spiritual person here. Yeah, definitely. My mum's quite spiritual as well. And I think from a very early age, it was about the visualization side of things. I mean, my mum is a feng shui consultant now. And I think she does it just so she can go and nose into people's houses. I, I didn't I really like to say that to her, but she always goes, oh, I've got this full report to do. I was like, mum, did you have a good nose? She went, absolutely. Oh, so, um, yeah, no, but I think what she starts to realise is that she's going in as a feng shui consultant. And actually what she's often offering is counselling. You know, it's not just let's move things. It's so much more than that. It's space clearing. It's feeling energy. It's that spiritual side of things as well. And I think, my goodness, we'd be crazy to believe that we're just here in, in you know, a case of molecules where we are. Now, when you, when you see somebody and they've passed away, they don't look like themselves. And that is because their spirit has left. And so actually, I do, I am, I am actually quite a spiritual person. And I think it's been really nice to, to be able to develop that a bit further, actually, as well, after since I've left the Air Force. So when you introduce yourself at the beginning you said you run your own business you're a consultant an author and a motivational speaker they're all the titles how would you sort of wrap it into something that also includes the spiritual side of things no that's a good question actually that's not one I have been asked before Amy well done not only do you have a good memory but you obviously now got the ability to uh think I think I think it's about recognizing that people are not always one-dimensional but what you see is not always what you get and I think we can judge people because they have a title, but it's only when you spend time talking to people that you actually realize that they're a layer upon layer and it's not just black and white. So, yeah, I think by having all these different aspects to your character, it just makes you a much more rounded individual, really. I love that. Yeah. And it is so important. And your description of seeing someone once they've passed away and that they are you know that lifeless without the spirit there it is it is a powerful reminder of the transience that the short time that we are here in the world yeah absolutely I mean my brother-in-law passed away and, and I physically didn't recognize him I had to actually think is it even him and it, that's the the craziest thing isn't it that you've got someone that looks like themselves and yet because the thing that actually gives them life is not there anymore, that they they don't look like themselves in a physical you know, matter, which is, it's just, that's madness. And, and yet I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So, wow. Who knew that that's where we were going with this conversation? Who knew? <laughs> I just want to say thank you, Manny. It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like I've been on one of your flights. You've been doing, t- sending me upside down in one of those planes. <laughs> Uh, but it, it is incredible what you've achieved. And I, I just take a moment to to recognize that what you're doing is is of huge importance and will benefit so many children of future generations, but also of, of today's generation, you know, the people who are affected up and down the generations. It's it's incredible. So thank you. How would people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out and connect? To be honest, Amy, I'm on all different social media platforms, mainly just as Mandy Hickson or Mandy Hickson Speaker. So one of those two. And yeah, just send me a message, get in touch. I've got a website, which is mandyhickson.com. You see, there's a theme in my my madness. So yeah, I make it just as simple as possible. Just, uh, yeah, it's my name. (laughs) Well, I'll make sure that all the actual links go into the show notes so that people can reach out and they can find you easily. Mandy, again, thank you. It really has been a pleasure. Have you got some final words for today, please? Yeah, so one I often finish off with in my speeches is you've got to dream it, believe it, 
But if you don't stop there, you don't put it into action, you're going nowhere. You've got to dream it, believe it and do it. How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.